Welcome to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow. I believe in taking massive, inspired action from an awakened soul. This show is a weekly dose of spiritual principles, personal development, and success strategies for creating an epically aligned life. Here's to your wildest dreams coming true with less hustle, grit and grind, more flow, ease, and grace. I'm the founder of the Live Video Mastery Academy, a TV host, speaker, best-selling author, and proud fur mama, and I'll be sharing real talks with successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, spiritual luminaries, and high-performance experts in this unfiltered, transformational, and soul-centered podcast. Things are about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get started. Well, hey there, and welcome back to the Fire and Soul podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow. And I am really grateful for your time today. This is going to be a good one. It's timely, the gifts in a crisis. You know, while we definitely will chat about what's happening with the coronavirus and shelter at home, social distancing, self-quarantine, all the things that are at least in this moment, as I record on Tuesday, March 17th, obviously this thing changes, you know, every 24 hours and we learn more and know more and do more. But as of right now, that's basically the gist of of what people are reading in the headlines and trying to implement. And so there are a lot of gifts inside of this, right, that will come out as a result of this for many people, but others are actually seeing it and embodying that now in advance. That's what we talk about in this conversation in the latter half. The first half, though, really speaks to the reason why I wanted to have my guest, Brandy Gilmore, on the show. She has an incredible story that is so deeply inspiring. And I don't want to spill the beans right now. I want you guys to hear this story. But it was also another crisis and the gifts that came as a result of that. And you'll learn why she wouldn't change what she experienced that led her to where she is now, to understanding A, the power of empowerment and of mindset and getting clarity around our emotions and how it's connected to our body's functions and abilities. It's a pretty epic conversation, and there are so many gifts in otherwise hard times, the one that we're all in collectively as a globe currently, and then, of course, our independent struggles that put us in this feeling of we're alone in it, and no one can understand it or get through it, and uh, she's got a way out, and it's a beautiful story. Let me give you a little bit about her before we dive into this um, incredible conversation. Brandy Gilmore is a world-renowned speaker, mind-body healing expert, and host of the Cutting Edge podcast, Heal Yourself, Change Your Life. She is most well-known for her discoveries using the power of the mind to create rapid healing results. Due to these uh, miraculous results and her own, quote, impossible recovery, Brandy's work has been captivating audiences around the world. She has given a mind-expanding TEDx talk and has been featured in several documentaries. And in addition to her incredible work, Brandy has a genuine heart and sincere desire to help create a better world by helping others. Today, she works with top celebrities, entrepreneurs, Olympic athletes, CEOs, and groups of people worldwide, sharing with others how to use the power of their minds to heal their bodies and empower their lives. I think you're going to love this conversation. Please share it with a friend if you do, especially someone who needs to understand the importance of getting inside our mindset now more than ever This is not an isolated experience, Miss Brandy's recovery. 
and certainly not in the thousands and thousands of others she's helped around the world and that we hope this conversation does for so many of you right now. Without further ado, please enjoy. Randy, it's so good to have you on the show. Welcome to the Fire and Soul. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Michelle. We have to talk about how this came to be. So this was a serendipitous moment. And everyone who listens to my show knows that I'm all about the synchrodestinies in life. It's where all the magic resides in the unknown, right? And so you and I met at a dinner party through our mutual friend, Natalie Ledwell, who's been on this show um, and who's become a dear friend to me. And I know she's one of your besties. But we talked immediately about, oh, my God, you got to come on my podcast. And I was so honored that you said yes. And then it was one of those things of like life, busyness, schedules, we're we're both so booked. As life would have it yesterday, I emailed you and I said, someone just had to reschedule by any chance does this one hour window work for you tomorrow? And you're like, oh my gosh, my schedule just got moved. One hour it is. This is so great. (laughs) This feels really special to me. And especially in this time when your voice, my friend, is needed more than ever. Thank you. And I have to say, I love serendipitous moments also. And the fact that you and I got off different elevators at the same exact time and walked out and we're like, oh, wait, you're, you're, and it was just, it was so perfect. That's true. So you're talking about when we actually met you guys, this is funny. So Natalie, our mutual friend, she and I had a dinner and then she said, can I bring two of my other besties? I'm like, yeah, your besties, I'm sure will be my besties. And so all four of us ladies met at uh, the penthouse in Santa Monica. It's a lovely restaurant in Santa Monica at a hotel. And I didn't know you, I had seen you on Facebook because I friend requested you. I was like, okay, I'm sure she's awesome. And I'm going to be friends with her anyway. So let me just, you know, be preemptive about this, but I hadn't met you. And so I get off the elevator and the first person that I see is you, you rush me. We hug. We're like, hi, <laughs> but you right? just the other elevator. Cause there were two going up same time. We both exit into the penthouse restaurant. And then there we are. That was cool. Right. That was really good. That was like the first sign of like, okay, there's more to come. And then it's just funny because everything has just been serendipitous since then. Isn't that interesting? So you know what? We're going to claim this whole friendship, ease and grace, synchrodestiny at its finest. There we go. I love it. And here we are today and our schedules both changed so quickly. And it just, I mean, it's perfect. (laughs) Because my podcast, I only record one hour a week. So when people book with me, which I hand select my guests, I'm sure you do as well. I send them my calendar link. And this is how it works, y'all, behind the scenes with podcasting hosts. And you send the calendar over and you're like, find a time that works. Well, right now people are booking into like April, May, right? And it's only one hour a week. So I was like, oh my God, I want to get her on the show so soon, but I'm already so booked. And then voila. So yes, I'm very, I'm very thrilled you're here. Okay, we have some business to go over, like some good stuff. So fire and Let's soul. Let's go there. Fire and soul is all around inspired action from an awakened soul. We just, it's for aligned results, right? Whatever that is in life and business, you are such an exemplary example of what's possible when we align ourselves with our soul and we get connected to our minds um, for uh, a lack of a better phrase at this point. I'd love my listeners to get a, a taste of your background and what brought you to where you are now today to be such a force for good to be so sought after for rapid results in every area of life. You have a very remarkable, deeply inspiring story. And I'll be sharing your TED Talk and all the tools and resources um, on the show resources, guys. But you've got to hear this story from her. 
So I'd love for you to, yeah, take us back about 10 years ago. Absolutely. And you know, I have to say, this is about the last thing that I ever thought would be doing was working with the mind and energy and, and alignment and spirituality, because I had been doing, you know, network engineering operations, super analytical and loved what I did. And basically I got in a car accident and had a fall. So I had two accidents and it, it changed my life. I went from like living this full life to being like wheelchair walker cane for uh. seven years. And not and, wheelchair walker, like there were days and days and days where you couldn't get out of bed. Yeah, I was, honey, honey I'm like 125 pounds, 5'9", and I was 93 pounds. Like my arms and legs were like the same size. I mean, it was just wow. uh, morphine every day for years. I mean, and, and just so much pain. There were times like I didn't even want to breathe because if I, if I breathed more, it just shot more pain. I mean, it was a mess. <laughs> And this went on not for a couple of months, you guys, but for seven years. Now, how do you get through a time like that? What do you say to your mind when you've gone to every doctor, every specialist? You've, you know, you haven't begun yet going down the road of, okay, what am I not looking at? What's unconventional, right? Which is where you led yourself to full recovery. But before that, seven years of seeing every specialist saying, we can't help you. How do you keep yourself positive? You know, I think that it was actually um, some of the, the hard spots that, that made me really, really have to change. And, and so it's kind of like, you know, I started, I did the normal, like, okay, diet and supplements. Cause you start looking out. And, and so I started trying every single diet and ate for my blood type and ate for this. And I mean, did everything but eat for my Zodiac sign. And I'm sure if there was a book on that, <laughs> I would have done that too. I'd have been like, all right, I'm a Pisces. What is my Pisces diet? <laughs> I wonder if Pisces should be eating fish. That would be interesting to know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Ooh. Uh oh. I'm like, <laughs> hilarious. I think you just you know messed what? with my whole diet right now. But, yes. <laughs> but now someone listening is like, you know what? That's a good blog. I'm going to start a blog, maybe a podcast, and that's going to turn into a book and then a movie. So, so great. Let us know when it's out. All right. So, yes, you've read a book, you've gone to every specialist, you've tried everything. How do you keep yourself sane? What happened is because I kept looking, I found out very quickly that if I didn't have hope, I was a mess. I knew I had to keep hope, which, by the way, is something, you know, and we'll get there. But during this time with everybody with the whole coronavirus and all of these things, that's a thing that people keep reaching out and going, okay, well, like doom and gloom and all this fear. And it's, you know, of course, calming the mind and realizing, you know, things are going to be okay, but there's action, of course, we need to take. And um, and that was the same thing in my situation is I felt like, okay, if I'm not going to get better. And when I didn't have hope, it was like, what's the point? Like, why am I? And it was hard. My mind went really dark. It was like this, it was like an autopilot of like an exit strategy of how I could leave the planet. <laughs> it's a bad plan. <laughs> without hope, people will perish. I mean, it's a phrase in the Bible and that many of us live by because we just need that little dangling carrot, just that little spark of something that, you know, there's light at the end of this tunnel. This too shall pass. We can say that to ourselves now, even in this really hard time of the coronavirus, you know, as a pandemic worldwide, you didn't even have that hope. You had no one telling you it was going to get better. So you didn't have hope. I mean, it was dark. How did you get through? How did you not follow through on your exit plan? I asked sincerely because I don't know if I could have been so strong. 
You know, honestly, it was that because I had always been like an optimistic person. I mean, and I've always been like a fighter, technically. I mean, like, a, I mean, I'm in the Hall of Fame for martial arts, right? And so, like, always been like Junior Olympics as a kid and, you know, all that stuff. And so, basically, I, I'm always very logical. And I started realizing that things didn't make sense. You know, it was kind of like, basically, my only hope, I got to this point where my only hope was something somebody would discover something new there would be some new breakthrough like even right now with the coronavirus we're kind of like looking for a new breakthrough and all of that and that's what I was hoping like some new procedure some new cutting-edge surgery something like that and finally I got accepted to this trial study and I thought oh my god this is it like I'm gonna get my life back and I literally remember carrying what I wore to go into the hospital which I before that like I I had been years like I didn't care. Like, it's like you're you frumpy. Go. You don't. You yeah. good. Yes. I felt like, oh my God. Like, I felt like I was going to the hospital to get my life back. And I got there and then like hooked me up to all the medical equipment. I thought like I was laying there in the hospital bed thinking, oh my God, who am I going to go see? I want to go hang out and see friends and family and do all these things everywhere I want to go. And the doctor, he comes in and he had this like look on his face mm. and he was like, you know, I'm. I'm sorry, Miss Gilmore, but you can't be part of the study. We oh. don't expect you to get better. At that moment, I just, I, I don't remember leaving the hospital. I don't remember the next few days. But the next memory I do have is I was laying in my same bed that I had spent so much time in. And I was awake. I remember becoming conscious in that moment. And I was in so much pain throughout my body. And I was just like, what's the point? There's no point. Mm. I had this like this a voice in my head or this thought or whatever you want to call it. But it was like, but Brandy, what about the placebo? Mm. And that's like leading up to the study. I had had, you know, this, there was this part of me that was like, please don't get the placebo. Please don't get the placebo. I want the real treatment. But in that moment, I thought, oh my God, well, wait a second. If I could figure out why the brain has somehow has this ability, then I could still get better. And so that, was like this. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I, women interrupt each other. This is hilarious. I would never do that to a man. So my apologies. <laughs> oh, no, I, I have to say, I love it. I love it. <laughs> you never think we're interrupting. And I've gotten so good at never interrupting a male. But with a woman, we're like, oh, boy, boy. and we just think we're adding into the conversation. But I literally just, I've, but I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like it, it does add to the conversation. I don't feel like it's interrupting. <laughs> All my male listeners are cringing and they want to punch me. Um, sorry, guys. This is how it goes. We win right now. Um, we win. We win. But for those who don't understand how the placebo works, can you refer to that? Can you unpack that little bit of like, if it works for the mind in that way, then why don't I start to investigate that? That's what I want to unpack a little bit because some might still not be familiar with the placebo effect. I thought about it and I was like, wait a second. We know that the placebo, which is a fake pill. Yep. You can take a fake pill and you can have healing results. And I was like, well, wait a second. (laughs) You know, like if we know that our brain can somehow do that, then what about like, well, then if I could just figure out what it is in the brain that does that, then Mm -hmm. I could get better. So there was like a chance, like I couldn't give up on life. If there was a chance that I could actually get better, that would be stupid. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you finally got the nudge, heard the, the, the message, and you followed the breadcrumbs, so to speak. 
Exactly. Because then I started looking at it going, wait a second. All right. So the placebo and I started going, okay, well, let me look at the brain for a moment. At first I was like, okay, well, all I have to do is believe. And the interesting thing is, is that open label placebos work, you know, because a lot of people think, oh, well, the placebo just works because people believe that they're going to heal. So you have to believe that you're going to heal, which I tried that for a while. Like, okay, I am whole and healthy and complete. I'm healed. And it didn't work. But also open label placebos where the doctor and the patient both know it's a fake pill can also show healing results. (laughs) Right. And so, but, but at the time I started looking at it for a moment and I started going, okay, well, if I can figure out how the brain does this, then I could actually get my life back. Mm. And as I researched the brain, I started finding all kinds of stuff like people with multiple personality disorder Mm. can have different ailments and different pain and asthma and body temperature and blood pressure when they're in different personalities. I'm like, wait a second. Whoa. Right? (laughs) That's another level. Wow. Yeah. And then I started looking at amputees Mm. that like 80% still experience pain. And I I was a little bit (laughs) jaded and frustrated at the time. And I was like, great. So there's an 80% chance I could amputate my body and I'd still have pain. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But, but it led me to researching the brain and going, okay, well, like, what is it? And honestly, it opened up this whole world of synchronicities and spirituality. And, and it just was the gateway that changed my life. Now, when you were doing your research, were you able to see any stories like yours where they had recovered through the, the mind? There's stories of like spontaneous remission. So there are medically documented stories, thousands of them of medically documented stories of people spontaneously recovering from all kinds of things. Yes. And so that's what it was. And that was the hope that I need. I was like, okay, breadcrumb it. Okay, this, that doesn't make sense. And then I was like, this is another one was like, when I started looking at it, have you heard before that our body's constantly repairing and replacing cells? Like even we see like dead skin cells. Yes. Well, have you heard before? Like we have like a whole new skeleton in about every 10 years. I did not know that. Right. And I thought, well, wait a second. How is it possible for somebody to have that old football injury from high school? Wow. And I thought, you know, if the body's constantly repairing and replacing cells, why am I sitting here trying to make my body heal us? Like, wait a sec. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. Or maybe it does. Because while the body is continuing to repair itself and replace cells, the brain is not. So that again pointed to the brain. Gosh. So then what do you do? Now you see that it's possible. You're feeling a little bit of hope, right? You're following the breadcrumbs, which then adds to a little bit more hope. What do those next steps look like? Do you find a doctor to confirm, to validate? Are you on your own, blazing your own trail? What does that process look like? Well, I was, I was on my own, but, um, and I was still getting at the time, and I don't want to say on my own because I was still actually on morphine at the time. I was still getting nerve ablations. So I was getting infusions and nerve ablations every six weeks or two months, depending upon. And so there was a lot of stuff going on and I'd have like, um, my physical therapist was a godsend and she would come over and like tape me from like head to toe. Of course you're being assisted to, assisted and attended to. Everybody just kept saying, you know, there's nothing else we can do for you. Why I wanted to get better. They were saying, well, let's figure out a long-term 
let's see if we can do something to then change your medication. So I was like on morphine and then Vicodin for breakthrough pain and then Neurontin and then Vioxx until it got uh-huh. taken off the market for killing people. <laughs> and then just uh, <laughs> like Lidoderm and different things like that. And they were trying to like even put Botox into my nerves and then because then it would maybe calm some of them down. So I'd be in less pain. And I mean, just uh, <laughs> mm. a, a lot of it. So there was just different, a, a lot of different things. So it wasn't exactly on my own. I was, I was like, I was willing to do anything. I was like eating whatever, <laughs> um, taking greens, fasting, all those things that didn't work. I mean, but, um, as far as the research, yes. Um, but I started like looking at even stuff like that was printed in the Smithsonian during like, I mean, I, I went into like atoms and electrons and in the body and going, well, wait a second. There's research that shows that 98% of all the atoms in the body are replacing themselves each year. And so I started looking at that and, and I'm like a former network engineer. So I went everything from like spiritual and placebo to, you know, also looking at things like the nociceptors and spinal thalamic pathway and, and how the pain works in the body. And, and it was just willing to look at everything mm. because I just wanted to get better. Okay. Wow. This is incredible. And, you know, you had the time. And you finally got a little bit of hope because you started thinking about the placebo effect. We're going to circle back to time and what we can do with our time um, shortly here, especially with um, all of the shelter at home, right? Social distancing and self-quarantine happening in current moment. But back then you had the time and you're one of the few, it's probably less than 1% of 1% of 1% who's diagnosed with this no cure in sight issue but yet you did, which speaks to your mind, which is why you're the perfect person to be doing what you're doing now. But what was that process like in terms of the time frame from when you started following the breadcrumbs to being able to move your body and ultimately walk again? A few things. I mean, as far as time frame, I don't know, because I, I would say it was about, as I was researching, it was about five years of research. Mm. But when you don't really care what day it is, and you don't sleep and you don't know, like, I mean, you, you don't, you start to get to a point, like there was this point during my injury where like the first two years or so, I just kind of like tried to distract myself with TV because I was hoping that like some type of cure would be created and, and all of these things. And then I got to a point where if I watched TV, I was watching everybody else live their life. And it reminded me of everything that I was missing out on. And I would just cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you kind of stop thinking about the day. And I knew I, need, I needed to do something like that was like, I was like, I, I have to figure this out. And when you said the 1% of the 1% of the 1%, I think that this is, is huge because one thing that I looked at is I thought, okay, there are 1.5 billion people who live in pain. billion. And so I had to remind myself that I have to do something different. If I want to get better, it means I have to do something different than 1.5 billion people are currently doing right now. And I think that it speaks volumes in in all areas. If we even go to the present moment with coronavirus and all these things, even with getting better. So I had to think differently than other people. And I think that also if we, we look at like the Great Depression. Okay, you think about the Great Depression, there were more millionaires that were created during the Great Depression than any other time in history. Why? Because there were a certain percentage of people who decided to think differently. Yes. And I think that even when it comes to health, when it comes to life, when it when it comes to coronavirus, what's going on right now, all of those things. 
we have to stop and think differently. If we get caught up in all of the fear of it all, if we get caught up in the angst and, and all of that, then we're not going to be in, in control of our moment. We're not going to be able to think clearly and really keep connected to the synchronicities and the high vibration energy um, and really connect with our souls. We'll get lost in the chaos. Couldn't agree more. Which brings us to present day, although we'd be skipping a lot of years, right? From your full recovery, doing TED Talks, becoming a sought-after speaker, and high-performance high coach. I mean, can we talk about what your work is and then how that relates to how you're guiding so many people that come to you for your mindset on how to navigate this hard time that so many of us are experiencing, right? But the kinds of coaching programs that you offer are so incredible. And I remember meeting you and I know I'd known you like five minutes and you were like, I get rapid results. I do rapid results. And I was like, clear. Okay. I was like, I wish I could work <laughs> on something right this moment, but you wanted me to know this is not going to take us five years or a year or six months, or maybe even a month. We might be able to do one session and fix whatever your, your shit is. So what's an example of of one of your case studies and how do you navigate that? What is your process like without giving too much away? Honestly, I'm happy to give it all away. Um, it's just because this is the thing, because it all sounds really stupid. I mean, kind of to wrap up my whole phase of, of where I was, you know, I started when, when it was like the placebo and multiple personality disorder and amputees and all these unknowns. And I started going, you know what, how does the mind affect the physical body? And I started looking at these stupid little things called emotions. Mm. And I started going, wait a second, you know, like if we're embarrassed, our face can turn red. Okay. Uh, anxiety attack, racing heart, shortness of breath. And I'm like, okay, I've got it. Emotions affect the body. And then I was like, how much can emotions really affect the physical body? Mm. Let's see. There's bored to death. There's scared to death. There's widows, like the widowhood effect. Seniors who lose a spouse have a much higher rate of death. And I was like, okay, well, broken heart syndrome. I was like, how much can emotions affect the body mm. to the point of death? And one of the favorite, one of my favorite quotes by Einstein is that no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. And I had a consciousness around emotions that they were stupid. I had a consciousness around emotions that they were insignificant. I could bury them. Not that they were stupid, but, you know, they just, there were things that were a lot more important than emotions and not the awareness that I do now, because when we look at it, you know, as far as emotions affecting the physical body, mm -hmm. okay, they can affect us to the point of death, but they're nowhere in our medical system. And, right. and, and, and so, and then you mentioned as far as like coaching and rapid results and all these things. And, and, you know, when we start to look at how we create our life, mm. we've all heard before of maybe the stereotypical woman who, you know, I'm mean, used stereotype of, of maybe a woman who has an abusive father, an alcoholic father, and she leaves him and finds the abusive man, boyfriend, boss, spouse, whomever. We have patterns. Yes. What is that based on? These stupid little things called emotions. Mm. And I call them stupid, but they're not. They're amazing and they're powerful. And you could call them emotions. Or you could call them energy and motion. However you want to call them, it's our energy. And so when we look at emotions, that's how I get rapid results. You know, mm -hmm. to your question is, is I help people to identify the specific emotions and help them to shift them, mm. you know, because and so even with health, you know, I can look at it and say, okay, well, if somebody's embarrassed, their face turns red. Anxiety, anxiety attacks, sexual thought, sexual physical response, 
Mm-hmm. Well, we're all well aware of that. And so bored to death, scared to death. I was like, okay, well, is it only these five emotions that affect the physical body? What about rejection? What about hurt? What about anger? What about loneliness? Yeah. And, and so all of these emotions, I started realizing they're affecting the physical body. And that's, so that's what I do when you're talking about rapid results is I help people. It's like if somebody's embarrassed and their face is red and they stop feeling embarrassed, their face stops being red or somebody's having anxiety, like an anxiety attack and they stop feeling anxiety. What happens? It goes away. And so even that's what I'll do on my podcast is I take people who are in chronic pain or, or all kinds of things. And I help them to shift the specific emotions and the pain goes away. And I've done this even under medical equipment where you can see it under thermography and you can see like the scan is red. I work with somebody and it turns green. And it's not a testament to how amazing I am, it's how amazing we all are with our minds, but we just don't realize it. So that's possibly then that entry point. Yeah, it is incredible. Um, and that will get you different results. I think that what so many people do, not as many that listen to this podcast, but I think in general, just uh, humanity, they, instead of acknowledging or even taking the time to be curious about what I might be feeling or what emotion is running through, we soothe and anesthetize and then have our own coping mechanisms, right? Whether it's overeating, overdrinking, oversexing, shopping, working, all the things. So when you're working with your clients or anyone that you care about, do you ask them to get present to, hey, before you go grab that cigarette or that extra glass of wine, can you get present to what you're feeling? Is that part of it? You know, when we get to a point of coping, that's sometimes even too late. Uh, what we really want to do is handle it even before that, because the coping takes a lot. And the, before the cigarette, or before the wine, then you already have the urge. And it's so much harder to do at that stage. Um, and so if we can even make the change in the subconscious mind before that. I see. So you're dealing with subconscious shifting. Uh, absolutely. But whenever we have patterns, it's always going to be subconscious. It's going to be things that start a while ago, you know, yeah, and, and so it's conditioned learning, it's conditioning of your mindset so that you don't even have to think about it anymore. You've just, that's become who you are. It's like biked up by default instead of the former, which was letting the emotion take control of your mind. Absolutely. Because there's, you know, I, I make it sound very simple, but there's complexities because of this. Of course. If everybody who was stressed all of a sudden was sick, then Whoever had the most stressful jobs would just all of a sudden, like if stress, if stress was the, the specific problem, then anybody who was stressed would be sick and anybody who was retired would be healthy. Mm. And that's not the case. What happens is it's the way that it goes in to the subconscious mind. And the great thing is, is this happens like with money, with relationships, with mm. health, with everything. And so like using that stereotype of the woman who attracts the man over and over and over People don't realize that they have these patterns. And then what they try to do is to try to outsmart their patterns. <laughs> so it's like uh, trying you're to. <laughs> them up. You're speaking to your, your little, uh, your people right now. I hear you. So many of my listeners are single, just like me, like successful. We got our shit going on. We got our stuff handled. And yet we still go after that same kind of man or woman, right? So yes, help us. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Right. So those are those, those are those patterns. And so yeah. that's what it is. It's like, it's addressing and you, you hit it spot on. Like so many women have that thing where they're single or they 
end up finding the man that's the problem over and over and over again, or even with money. I help people like get rapid changes with finance. I mean, all kinds of things. Wow. How cool for the, for you to get to be in this position to understand how, you know, you can rewire the subconscious because you did it yourself. I mean, there's no other example that I've ever known in my own personal life, like directly. I know people trying right now to get out of their wheelchair or off their crutches or out of the hospital bed. Um, they're not quite there yet, but I want everyone that I've ever cared about and everyone that I care about to tell people they care about to go check out your work. To allow yourself to be curious, go listen to your podcast. We'll add it all in the show resources because in its simplicity is in its profundity. It's always the simple stuff that makes the, you know, the transformational shifts in the world. Yes, always. You're right. The whole she, that that classic example that you gave, she's going to try to outsmart it, girl. I've tried ayahuasca. I've gone to the Vedic astrologer. And this is what I was talking to you about the very first night I met you. I was like, he told me I'm not going to get real love for seven years. And you're like, oh. We're going to rewire that. And I was like, we are? (laughs) Why? Because I'd been living the same story for four decades. And so it scared me. And I'd gone after the man who was unavailable, emotionally and physically, my father, my whole life. But yet I think I would do it differently because I went to that seminar and read that book and hired that coach. And it was right. And you're going to outsmart your pattern. Exactly. So when you say that, I hear you loud and clear. And I know my listeners do too, because I know them well now after a year and a half of hanging out together. So yeah, that's the kind of stuff that we need access to. How do we trip that wire, so to speak? Well, first and foremost, I love your self-awareness and I love your honesty and being like, you know what? Right. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I'm extremely honest. It's my top favorite quality of anyone. Mine too. Mine too. Transparency. Come across it, you know? And then I think, okay, I got this man in my life. He's conscious. He's going to be honest. He's going to tell the truth. No. (laughs) But that's just the pattern stuff of just unavailable, not quite ready. And you're like, when, when, what does it take? Do I have to be in my seventies? Like, what's it going to take? But it's nothing to do with them. It's all me. And so that's what you're really talking about here. It's like, we have to own our our lane in this. We have to own our experience and be 100% responsible, even for the subconscious wiring that we might not be present to. And that's what absolutely trip up. Yeah. So what you do is you look at the pattern and you identify why is it there? And then you shift it. I mean, so, and so what a lot of people do is they, they see the pattern, they go, okay, I'm going to get smarter than this. I'm going to like, so if, if you haven't said, okay, there's this pattern and I see it and why is it there? Let me shift it. Mm-hmm. That's where the change begins is really understanding why it's there and how to shift it. Oh, and- yeah. It's exciting times, especially when you do get self-aware and you do the hard, deep inner work and you're willing to be completely honest with yourself first and foremost, right? And you write the shit down or have conversations with people where you take accountability and you're like, this is what I've done. This is what I've chosen. This has been my experience. Oh, high pattern, right? For a life. And we can look at any other area of life. There are some who are happily married and have love and passion and awesome, good for you. But maybe your finances suck or your health sucks or your personal relationships suck outside of that. So this is, um, this is a little system or process, if you will, that we could look at in every area of our life. Absolutely. What's exciting to me about health, by the way, is this, is that when we have like a health issue, it's literally like our body is telling us the most important thing we need to know. Mm-hmm. So 
let's say that somebody has a health issue and the emotion behind it is they've been deeply criticizing themselves or they have a pattern of rejection or they have a pattern of hurt or whatever it is. And a lot of times what happens is it's like we have this ailment and we're trying to like move through it. And really it's, it's really like the body saying like, Hey, you want to change this? Like, Hey, you know, it's like GPS saying, you know, left turn, like change, change. And we're yeah. like, shut up body. Like, you know. <laughs> and so when we hear what it's saying, we need to change and, and bringing that actually to present moment, when we think about coronavirus mm. and we look at what's going on, we need to change. And that's, this is a wake up call. I mean, literally, if you look at our world, Mm. It's been lacking love. People have been fighting over politics and negativity. And now people will bash each other on social media. And there's so much disconnect and judgment and, and all of this going on. And so we're, we're lacking love. We're lacking connection. And, and, and it's not like love heals everything. No, love is great. But we can't have a culture that lacks love and lacks spirituality and lacks connection and it's time for a change you know and so it's true and the fact that the world is facing this pandemic is really interesting time see i i'm on the other side of the fear of it i did self-impose some quarantine way back like last week and you and i were talking that before we hit record and it was like okay um brandy this is going to come out on monday what is that like i think the 23rd of march 2020 for those of you listening in real time and so let's let's focus on how we can help them get through this time and you're like we don't know what life's going to be like by monday i think like, you're so <laughs> right cuz today this is you know, the millennials and younger were just downplaying it like no big deal. And even like literally in the last 24 hours are like, oh, you actually mean this applies to us too? Because we're young and healthy and vibrant. So this, this doesn't apply. It's only the elderly, right? Or the compromised immune systems. It's like, no, waking up. But there's a, there's a subconscious waking up if we allow this to be the gift that it really can be for humanity. Would you agree with that? Totally. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and really, it applies to old people, younger people, or anybody who has anything to do with money. Uh, because the longer it goes on, the more it crashes everything. And so it's like getting people in, like to let this, this pass and, and all of that. But the biggest thing is, is looking at it and, of course, not getting stuck in all of this fear, but also taking it seriously and being willing to make a change. So I would absolutely agree. And and. Not only, I think that, I mean, if you, if you look at our culture for a moment and you look at our world, I think that if we look at healthcare, people have been getting more and more sick yep. and that has just been a trend beyond uh, other than this. And I think that taking our healthcare and starting to wake up and realize that we can't, this is a wake up call to say, we can't always depend on something outside of us to help us. That's right. There's that. I mean, if you think about suicide rates have been a leading cause of death leading cause of death, people killing themselves. That tells you, hey, things are off. (laughs) And so like, if you, like, if you think about it for a moment, when would you ever think that a leading cause of death would be people killing themselves? I have a, I have someone that I know, not really a close friend, but the boyfriend of someone I'm close to that is a chronic um, pot smoker, like out of the bong kind of thing and um, has lung issues and, and literally told my friend that 
if he gets the coronavirus, he knows he'll die because he's not healthy enough to get through it. So he's already given the coronavirus permission to come in and permission to kill him. And he's very clear on this. He's like, I won't make it. So if I die, I die. And he's not even like upset about it. He's just kind of like surrendered to it. And that's the kind of programming that may sound extreme to anyone listening, but that's the kind of programming and self-talk that we do all the time and we're not aware of it. We allow for things. We lower our standards. We get what we tolerate, starting with what we tell ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think another part of it is, you know, if we look at even in the spiritual community, a lot of people are meditating and they're wanting to be more spiritual and they're meditating, but they're not really which they're kind of numbing themselves to things without really embracing a feeling of joy all of the way and really shifting things fully. You know what I mean? Let's talk about that. Okay. I know we're going a little over those of you who want to pop out. Don't pop out right now. This is the good part because I remember when you brought this up when we were having dinner and I was so blown away by your take on why it's critical that we also embrace open-eyed meditations versus closed-eyed meditations. And when I heard that, I thought everyone that listens to my show needs to hear your take on this and try it out. So ever since then, and I've been doing this and practicing it before I had heard you say it, but now almost religiously, I keep my eyes open and I take it all in and I see divinity, you know, personified everywhere and I feel connected to it. So that's just been my take, but I don't want to steal your thunder. I want you to share the differences and why people should consider, especially in this time, open-eyed meditations. Open-eyed meditations, right? Because what we want to do, so like if, if we think about the negative note of having like negative patterns and then they breed more of the same and more of the same and more of the same, what we really want to do is start bringing in positive patterns into our life. Mm. And so if you think about having an open eye meditation and you're bringing in a sense of serenity and peace mm. into your life, mm. that's an awesome feeling. Okay. But if you think about, let's say somebody's meditating and they're being quiet and a thought comes up and they ignore it or they're non-reactive to it. And a thought comes up and they're non-reactive to it. And a thought comes up and they're not reactive to it. Basically what they're doing is they're training their brain to be non-reactive to the things that are in their subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. And so they're not wanting to react to it. Mm -hmm. But the thing of it is, is ultimately to create change in our life and our health and our relationships and all of that. Instead, we want to identify the specific things that are in the subconscious mind and radically shift them. Like, in other words, you have hurt. I want to turn that into love. You have feelings of rejection. I want to turn that into feelings of feeling connected. Mm. Like, I want to radically shift it so your life changes also. I don't want you to numb to that. I don't want you to get used to numbing to that or even getting yourself to non-reactive to it. Uh, I ultimately want people to transform it. And the more you actually numb yourself to it, the less you enable yourself to shift it. Oh my God. So you're saying then by keeping the eyes open, not only are we going to take in, you know, hopefully you guys have a place of nature or something that, you know, is nice to look at aesthetically pleasing and calming for you, a fireplace, a candle, you know, a picture or whatever. But you're saying another reason to do that is that so that you are literally living in the world and you're present to being a physical force, not just the invisible sort of energetic vibration that we are as a soul. Is that, is that another way of looking at it? Yes, 
And like a bigger picture way of looking at it is like this. Like, let's say my life is stressful, which thank God is actually really, really great. But let's say it's, it's really like I'm stressed out in life, right? And let's say I stre- I'm stressed out in life. And so every day I meditate to calm myself. I meditate and I calm myself and I meditate and I calm myself and I meditate and I calm myself. Okay. So that's one version. But let's say that I'm stressed out in life and I say, okay, I have got to use my mind to create positive patterns. What's the happiness? What's the change? What are the vibrations? What, is the, what am I going to create to then shape my world in a different way to where it feels amazing? It feels exciting. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and going and going through that. And so I got to say, like, even in this in this time right now and in this uh, your crowd is just I know a bunch of amazing women, a bunch of amazing people, men, too. But a lot of things that I'm seeing is some of the people that I coach that are um, like a lot of high end coaching and, and whatnot. They're having a lot of their employees and people that are all in the chaos and in the fear and all of that and to lift them out and and help them to stay in strength is key so even in this time instead of coping with the chaos and coping with the chaos so in other words let's say life is stressful and we're just meditating to instead like uh, one global company that i work with i uh, coach the ceo everybody was in fear and it's like what I had her do is give everybody a purpose, like saying, hey, look, right now, as we come out of this, you are going to need you guys more than ever to be able to do this and this and this and get everything aligned. So people need you and you can do this. And as we get back to life and all these things, you can bring that. And so now these people who were in fear, who were overwhelmed are going, wait, I'm needed. I'm important. Let's do this. Let me help serve people and let me make this happen. And from that feeling, uh, it's just lifting everything. And so that's really what we want to do is we find, we want to find a, mm. a new place to feel, a new place to be energetically and emotionally. That. I couldn't agree more. And that's why who we hang around now and who we're having conversations with and giving our time to, um, even through social distancing, which by the way, doesn't have to be social distancing. We can still be extremely social just online, right? Or on FaceTime or the phone. So it's physical distancing, really. But it's important now, right? Because you can get taken down even subconsciously if you get on the phone with someone who's really living in the, in the fear, the panic, and the anxiety. That has tried to happen a few times in my life with like certain coaching clients, but it's my job to redirect, right? To their Absolutely. power, strength, and their mindset and what they can choose to see in this or not. And it has been such a gift because the more that I do that, the more that I step into leadership. And I feel like it's a time to rise for all of us. And if you get the coronavirus, let's just say you do, it's like a 1% that it has a fatal effect. And that again is elderly or super, you know, in, in general sick people. So it's like, maybe just rest. Isn't that a gift for so many of us that say we don't have enough time or that we're always so busy and we can't get that done or that done. This is a time for, it's just, it's in the way I look at it is it's a beautiful gift like the placebo effect for life. (laughs) Right. That's the thing. My injury made me have to change. And I think that this is a time that's going to make people have to come together and love each other and have more compassion for each other and more understanding and, um, and people waking up to wanting to be more empowered um, in their health and just, and just so many things. And by the way, that comment that you made about who we keep around us, I think is key. And I have to tell you, I had uh, dinner with this amazing woman a couple of weeks ago. 
<laughs> as we got off the elevator so i think i'm good there <laughs> you <laughs> i'm feeling good too about it as well oh my god it honors me that you say that and i love natalie and i love rika rika's gonna be on the show um, eventually um everyone's so busy especially right now with um well busy in different ways especially those of us who are leaders in this space and we have communities and clients and we really want to make sure they're in top shape who do you go to in a time like right now to keep yourself you know, connected to the truth of what you know, of what you know is the truth. Who do I go to? Honestly, universe, universe. Mm -hmm. So I had an incredible spiritual awakening through my injury. And so I get clear guidance, which is what helps me actually uh, help my clients and and people is I'm both very analytical and very spiritual. And um, I, I would say that the other thing is, is when I look at it and I look at the fact that my injury became my greatest gift in changing. Mm. The biggest thing I hope right now for people is just to embrace change, that it's going to get better. Like that when you, if you look at it for a moment and you think, okay, what happens if everybody's more connected? What happens in our world if everything goes back and, and everybody's respecting each other more and more loving and more caring and wanting to be more spiritual and wanting to be more awake and wanting to be more empowered in their health and all of these things, what happens with, like it, it really gets better. Mm. God, that is so good. That's like a mic drop right there. It's just so true. I ask all of my guests at the end of the of our conversations, how do you experience being an awakened soul? You might have just said it, but if there's another way you'd like to answer that. How do I experience being an awakened soul? I would say in it probably in a very interesting way because I, I mean I get direct downloads from the universe and I can feel what other people feel. So I how do I experience being an awakened soul? I would say first and foremost, listening, um, listening, being willing to take information from the universe. Sometimes it's different than we think and being willing to change and always, always, always doing my own work and making sure to keep myself in a great space. And I think that you keep yourself lifted and happy and good. And that's when you can receive more of the information. Like if I was in fear and stressed out and all those things, my amount, my ability to hear the universe would decrease. And so I think when we start from within, when we lift and we keep ourselves in a good place, our minds are more clear to be able to hear and receive guidance and information. And that's oh. I think everybody should do it. It's just that is an awakened soul right there. What a beautiful, beautiful reply. I used to ask all of my guests, how do you define an awakened soul? And it was um, Panash Desai, I think a mutual friend of ours. Um, he's one of my teachers. He had said, when I asked him that question on the show, well, how I experience being awakened. And I was like, yeah, that's it. It's, you can't define it. It's like trying to define God. <laughs> like, no, how do you experience it? And of course I hand select my guests. So all of my guests embody that but everybody's unique and different in how they reply to that question. So it's the one and only can question that I have. So love your answer. Yes, we've got to do our own inner work, stay clean, stay clear so that we can receive the guidance that will wake us up into inspired action here, there, and, and everywhere so we can help others rise. Beautiful. Absolutely. I love so it. Good. Can you come back on and have another conversation sometime soon? Yes, please. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Where can we find you? Where's your favorite place for us to connect with you on social? Um, connect with me on Facebook would be great on social or my website. 
Awesome. And so I will list all those show resources, y'all, over at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thank you, Miss Brandy. You're a beautiful soul and doing such beautiful work, especially in this time. God bless you, love. Michelle, you're lovely. You're so lovely. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fire and Soul Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.